Amen. Amen. Turn to the person next to you. Say, I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. You know, it is good uh, when, when necessary to watch on live stream, but there's nothing like coming together as the people of God. I was talking to a pastor from out of state yesterday, and he was just telling me, and many pastors are finding the same things, that people uh, just tend to get a little lazy. That's, that's part of our human nature. And being a disciple is making the effort to come into God's house. And some people uh, want to watch live stream, um, but I don't know how many are really raising their hands and praising God, uh, opening up the Bible, taking notes, staying engaged. I think that it's, it's good when necessary, but it's better to be in the house of the Lord. So I commend you for being here today, uh, serving the Lord, and realizing that the Lord is worthy of our all. Amen? This morning, I've asked the pastoral staff to come and to share uh, upon... 2 Chronicles 7.14. Uh, there are several aspects of this prayer that I, I trust that you have been incorporating in your time of prayer and devotion to the Lord. And we're going to just take a few moments and then we're going to have prayer focuses. If we as the people of God can call upon the Lord, we're going to see great things. And I believe we have seen great things because we have been people who have called upon God. But there are certain principles, there are certain truths that we have to learn to fully uh, uh, trust and obey God and to see protocol to coming into the presence of God. As there is a protocol to coming into the office of someone in high authority or position, uh, you don't just stumble in, you come in the way God, uh, the way is required in protocol. And the same thing in the presence of God. So let us open up our hearts, let us receive the word of God this morning as Pastor Lisa comes and shares on the first principle of humbling yourself. Good morning, Victory. My name is Pride. I am a cheater. I cheat you of your God-given destiny because you demand your own way. I cheat you of contentment because you deserve better than this. I cheat you of knowledge because you already know it all. I cheat you of healing because you're too full of me to forgive. My name is Pride. I am a cheater. I cheat you of holiness because you refuse to admit when you're wrong. I cheat you of vision because you'd rather look in the mirror than out a window. I cheat you of greatness in heaven because you refuse to wash another's feet on earth. I cheat you of God's glory because I convince you to seek your own. You like me because you think I'm always looking out for you untrue. I'm looking to make a fool of you. God has so much for you, I admit. But don't worry, if you stick with me, you'll never know. Because my name is Pride, and I am a cheater. I hope today that none of us are known as Pride. I hope that none of us are known as a cheater. And if we are, 
there's a way to overcome that, and that way is becoming humble. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, humble yourselves, or God is telling us to humble ourselves. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves. That's the portion I'm going to focus on for a couple of minutes this morning humbling ourselves. The definition of humble is having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's importance. In other words, if we think too highly of ourselves, we are not being humble. And if we think too highly of ourselves, that means we're telling God we don't need him. I have it all together. I have everything I need. I know everything that I need to know, and I certainly don't need to ever admit when I'm wrong because I'm never wrong. But that is pride, and pride cheats us of so many things. The definition of humbling yourself is to show that you are not too proud to ask for something, to ask for help, or to admit that you are wrong. It's actually very simple on how to humble ourselves. The scriptures tell us, the scriptures help us, we have one another to help us, but the hardest part is actually just doing it, humbling ourselves. I was talking to our ladies the other night in our scripture prayer meet uh, gathering here, and I said, it's a whole lot nicer and neater if we learn how to humble ourselves than to get to the point that God has to humble us publicly. That becomes embarrassing. We want to learn to humble ourselves. And listen, there's nothing wrong with not knowing an answer. There's nothing wrong with not understanding everything. There's nothing wrong with calling the church and saying, I need to meet with one of the pastors on staff because I need help with the direction of my life. I'm not going in the right direction. I need help. I need understanding. There's nothing wrong with that. It's humbling yourself and asking for help. Proverbs 12:15 says the way of fools which is being prideful seems right to them but wise or humble people listen to advice how many times have people given us advice and we don't listen we've had people that come in and ask for advice but by the time the meeting is over, we can tell that they came in with their mind already made up. They were just kind of being polite. They were actually coming to tell us what they were going to do, not really ask us for advice. James 4, 6, but he gives us more and more grace, and I'm adding some things in brackets, through the power of the Holy Spirit to defy, defy sin and lead an obedient life that reflects both our faith and our gratitude for our salvation. Listen, if we are too full of pride, basically we're also saying we didn't even need salvation because we had it all together. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud and haughty, opposed, opposed. 
but he continually gives the gift of grace to the humble. If you want grace in your life, if I want grace in my life, I need to be humble and you need to be humble. He gives grace to the humble, those who turn away from self-righteousness. And in the verses before this, James was speaking to those who wanted to have their own way, do their own thing, sin the way they wanted to, just living out their own desires and just thinking that they were okay and that they would get away with that. But we have to admit when we're wrong and when we sin and when we need to humble ourselves and repent. 1 Peter 5, 6, 7, humble yourselves then. Humble yourselves then under God's mighty hand so that he will lift you up in his own good time. Leave all your worries with him because he cares for you. And I want to end with this. You know, sometimes leaving our worries with God is difficult because, again, it's admitting we don't have the answers. It's hard to cast our cares on him because we become vulnerable to his wisdom. Well, I can tell you I would much rather be vulnerable to the wisdom of God than my own because my own has failed me more times than I can count. And so being humble opens ourselves up to what God has for us. And you're going to hear from our other pastors the next steps of what we need to do and what God is calling us to do. But the first one is humble yourselves. God, we ask for humility this morning, God. We just lift our hearts to you and we ask you that you would help us through your word, through scripture, even through the messages this morning that we're hearing. You would help us to humble ourselves, God. We want to be more like you. We don't have all the answers. There is sin in our life that has to be washed away. And God, we know that when we humble ourselves, you will hear our prayer, God. We want to be more like you. So we ask for the humility of the Holy Spirit this morning. If there's anyone here this morning living as in, in pride, living as a cheater, Lord, we don't want to be cheated from the things that you have for us. So we ask you for humility. Help us to humble ourselves this morning. We know it's an ongoing process, God, but we know that something new can begin in our lives this morning. Praise the Lord. So as we humble ourselves, the next portion is pray and seek his face. Seek my face. Church, we need to pray. And I know that's been a message coming from this pulpit over and over and over again. And, you know, even Pastor shared a statistic about Christians praying, what is it, three minutes a day, the average Christian? God help us. Let that not be said of anyone in victory that we only pray three minutes a day. We need to set aside a time and a place where we can seek the Lord daily. I mean, it's good reading daily, the daily bread and a few scriptures and praying a few prayers, maybe on the run. But we need to set aside a time where we can be quiet before the Lord, really set our face to, to look at his face and, you know, get rid of all the distractions around us, you know, uh, to those who humbly seek the Lord, he promises in Jeremiah 29, 13, he says, when you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. We need to seek him. Hosea 12, 10 says, it is time to seek the Lord. And let me tell you, with all the uncertainty, with all the chaos, everything that's going on in this world right now, there is an urgency for the church to wake up Pray, seek God's face while he can be found. 
Rather than seeking God, we become seekers of so many different things, seekers of ourselves. We want to do everything our own way, as we were talking about humbling ourselves. The things of this world gets in the way, material goods, you know, just entertainment, things we want to do that we put before God, they grow more attractive to us. In the book of Hosea, when God had sent countless warnings and admonitions to Israel to return to him, and I believe with all that's happening, these are warnings and admonitions for us to start seeking God. God's trying to get our attention, and I think he has got our attention pretty well. If you are any... Uh, if you are following the Lord, if you're on fire for God, he has got our attention. And now we need to seek him with everything within us. You know, because in Hosea's time, you know, he was addressing the northern kingdom. And they were uh, economically being blessed. But they had fallen away spiritually. And can't we say that of America and the church today? We have everything. We have a moral and spiritual decline because when we have everything, when things are going well, we get lazy, church. We don't seek God the way we should. We get comfortable. That's what it comes down to. We get complacent. And instead, you know, we need to press in. You know, we lack the desire to, you know, a, a burden for the unsaved. You know, many Christians even view their, you know, relationship with Christ as coming to church once a week. Well, coming to church once a week isn't going to cut it. You know, it's not a place to visit on an, an occasion. It's a lifestyle that we're expected to live. It's, it's not the building. It's not these facilities. It's the body of Christ, and we need one another. Like Pastor said, it's so good coming in together. It's great online when we have to, but there's nothing like being in his presence. Amen? So it's time for us to humble ourselves, pray and seek his face, the needs are great in this world right now and in the church universal. Isaiah 55, 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. We don't know how much time we have to seek the Lord. We don't know when he's returning. We don't know how much more uh, time we have of liberty to really come together and seek God. We don't know what the future holds. So we need to seek him while he is near. Psalm 105.4 says, seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence. Isn't that what we've been praying for, more of his presence here at Victory? And God has been blessing us with his presence, but we're not satisfied. We want more. 1 Chronicles 22.19, now devote your heart and soul to seeking the Lord your God. And I said, what a good scripture to pray. Lord, help me to devote my heart and soul to seeking you. So what does it mean to seek God's face? As an old saying goes, the eyes are the window to the soul. When you look someone in the face, you can better gauge their mood and what they're, you know, understand their thoughts. And we will probably be able to tell if they're happy or sad. But if we're looking at someone in the face, we're more attentive to hear what they're saying and to understand what they're saying. Have you ever talked to someone and they're like, looking around, it's like, but when you're talking to someone and you get their attention, you know they're hearing you. And that's the way we need to seek God. So many times we're seeking God and we're distracted by this and that. that that's why we need to shut off all media, all uh, social media, and all kinds of things that would distract us. Get in a place 
that you can press in to know God. And when we talk about seeking God, it means we are seeking to know him, to understand his character, to hear his voice. You know, a lot of people know about God, but we need to know God personally. We need to know how to hear his voice. We need to know what he's thinking and saying and doing even in these days that we're in. Instead of listening to all the social media, we need to get with God and see what are you saying, God? To seek means to search. Have you ever lost something valuable? Have you, you know, I'm always losing my keys. People are always helping me in here. And, uh, and I go frantically looking for them, you know. But we need to seek God that way, that we would go seeking, seeking him with everything within us. And how can we seek the face of God? Well, a few ways are his word through prayer and worship. His word, when we read the word, we learn about his character. We learn about what he's like in his ways. And prayer, when we pray and spend time with him, we learn how to hear his voice. People say, how do you hear from God? You have to spend time with someone. You have to spend time in his presence because he wants to speak to us. He wants to reveal his will for our lives. If you don't know what you're called to do, you need to spend time in God's presence and ask him, what is it? And he will show you. We need to turn off everything and let him speak to us. And, you know, a lot of people wouldn't be so fearful today if they spend time in God's presence because we would have his perspective on what's going on instead of listening to everything and being fearful and running around like, you know, so nervous. As Christians, we need to shine the light. We need to have faith. We need to, you know, be strong, especially in this hour. We have the opportunity to rise up and to tell others there's nothing to be fearful about if you know God. So worship is the other one. When we worship God, he shows up as we welcome his presence. And there's nothing like the presence of God. And when we genuinely seek his face, we will come to understand his love and his holiness more deeply. And then we will reflect his character. And isn't that what we're supposed to be? Becoming more like Jesus? When we seek God's face, we're not approaching him with the list of what we need and want. But isn't that the way we come to God many times? Oh, God, help me with this, do this, deliver this one, save that one. But sometimes we just need to approach God because we truly love him and want to get to know him better. Hebrews 11.6 sums up the key to truly knowing God. It says, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. First, we have to have faith to believe in God, then we must understand his character, that he has good things in store for all of us. And finally, we need to seek him, seek him diligently. It is time to set your mind and heart on the things of God. Everything else is temporary, church, and soon to fade, even our lives. We don't know what holds our life, you know, when he's coming back for us or when he's calling us back. If we seek him with all our heart, he's going to return to us once again, refresh us, revive us, fill us with new strength and victory. So now is the time to seek the Lord like never before. We need to become seekers of God. Let Victory Church be known as people who seek the Lord. 
And today, if you don't know the Lord, seek him while he may be found. He's waiting there with open arms. He loves you. He desires you to come to him. And for us that know him, let's seek his face with everything within us. Take time to sit in his presence. Allow him to love on you and get to know your God in a greater way. Let's stand as I pray this morning. Father, we thank you, God, for this scripture, God, that we have been studying, and we humble ourselves before you today, and we pray, God, and seek your face. God, we need you, God. We cry out for more of you in our lives, God. Father, I pray you give us a heart and soul devoted to seeking you, Lord. Father, we need you more in this hour, God, than ever before. And we thank you, God, that you hear our cries. Father, help us, God, to seek you with everything within us, Lord. Help us to set aside time, God, specifically, even if it's a one day a week, to just sit in your presence, to get to know you in a greater way, because you have great things in store for us personally and for victory in the church universal. God, we thank you for your love and your mercy, and we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. Good morning, church. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Turn means to retreat or to literally turn back. Wicked means just what it means, bad or evil. That word ways means road, distance, journey, or manner, or habit. One of the things that we have to learn how to do as a church, as people of God, is to turn from habits or manners of life when we go astray. It wasn't enough to merely turn their hearts to God when God was speaking this over his people. They must also turn their lifestyle to God. Often in life, when you are in a place where you have to turn from a lifestyle of wickedness and evil, there was a time in your life when you actually turned away from a lifestyle of good. I've been doing youth ministry for over 15 years now. I've made a lot of mistakes in the youth ministry. When I used to go to a youth group, uh, one of the youth pastors would do this, victory, what they would call a victory run. When we come back to the church from a trip, she would gas the van, put her foot on the pedal, and just whip us around the parking lot. We loved it. We'd be clinging onto the seatbelts, the sides of the cars, laughing and having a great time. And, so when I graduated fresh out of Bible school, I started doing the victory lap. And let me tell you, there was a dad who saw it, and he was not smiling. So that ended that spree right there. I've made mistakes where, funny mistakes like that, but also serious mistakes where I've had youth come from other youth groups, and because I didn't follow up on them, they left a youth group because their youth pastor said that they were sexually involved in a relationship and he took them down from their ministry or their position of leading worship and so they bounced to another youth group because they didn't want to separate or have accountability. And I didn't follow up on that. We make mistakes in our lives. But one of the cool things about being in the youth ministry this long is I've been able to see the fruit of youth who I had when they were youth and to see where they are now as adults. And there are principles that, things that we see in youth's life now that we can kind of almost project where they're going to be 
years from now. I want to tell you about two girls who we had in a, a youth group that was not at this church. One would come to prayer every single week. Every week we would do prayer a half hour before youth group. And she'd show up early every week. She wouldn't socialize. She'd come through. She'd come in the prayer room. She'd find a spot. And she'd pray and she'd seek God. The funny thing is sometimes in church we think the faithful ones are the ones who have life the easiest. But not only was she coming to church being faithful, she was being accountable to Tara and I so we knew what was really going on in her life. And she was going through a lot. But she still came out. There was another girl who at the same time was coming and showing up every week faithfully. But then we saw a decrease in the, the amount of time she'd come to youth group. Or she would cut, get, come to youth group late and miss the prayer. And then it, she would start missing youth group. Then she'd start not replying to our texts. And years later, we've actually had to, we, we got to sit down just recently, Tara and I, a month ago when I went back home and we took some time and we sat with this girl who the faithful one. And she went through so much, but she is still faithfully serving God. Not only that, she's leading a group of young girls at the church. This other girl is in a relationship and still living a very unhappy and miserable life. And to this day, still has not stepped back into a church. The youth that are the most angry right now with what's going on in our world are usually the ones who are not spending time in the world, in the word. And that's what we're seeing. There are characteristics that I have seen in the 15 years of doing youth ministry, and we're seeing anger, we're seeing frustration, we're seeing just resentment over so many different things. But these are the ones who are not consistently staying in the word. There's nothing new under the sun. And right now we are currently watching a generation that's being swallowed up by the enemy because there is a turning away from the things that are, not, that are right. David himself never intended to say, I want to commit adultery. He never intended to say, I want to commit murder. But in the scriptures it says when kings would go away to war, David remained at home. We may find ourselves in a way where I'm living this lifestyle I never thought I'd be in. And maybe it's not so much about being so scared about following things that are evil, but it's like it's maybe we need to analyze our lives now and say, what am I doing now that might be turning away from things that are right? David started, stopped doing what was right and then began living a lifestyle that was evil in the sight of the Lord. And in the same way in our lives here, we have to analyze our lives and say, what am I doing that might not be right. Amen? I've talked to other youth pastors, and you wouldn't believe some of the excuses of youth that won't even sign on for an hour to a Zoom call. I wish I could go down the list because of time, but one of the number one excuses that youth will not go on to a Zoom call, and this is true, because they didn't have a ride. I'll let that sink in for a second. I'm sorry, but not sorry. But the youth who are the most inconsistent in youth usually come from parents who are usually inconsistent with church. We set examples by what we do. If church no longer becomes a priority in your life, that is never a good thing. Never. These things, in essence, you know, some kids are, they're playing video games. They're tired. They're sleepy. These things are okay. They're good. But when they start to overshadow the things that are right, the things that we should be doing, 
that's when we start to see a deterrence in our path, in our manners, and in our habits. And that's when we have to analyze and say, God, help me to turn from my wicked ways, from the things that I'm doing, because I've turned away from what is right. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that we as a church, whether we're parents, whether we're adults, whether we're youth, whether we're young adults, Father, I pray that you would give us the conviction to turn away from our evil ways. Lord, if some of us in here are stuck in evil habits, if some of us are stuck in just in a rut and they can't get out of it, Father, we pray by your spirit that you would help us to get out of that rut by your power and by your authority. Father, we need to turn from our idols. Some of the idols that we are worshiping right now are good things, but they've overtaken you. They've overtaken our time and our devotion to you. Father, give us the strength to humble ourselves, to seek and pray, and to turn from our wicked ways. And I close with this last thought. So before you get to the place where the scripture says, turn from your wicked ways, look at your life right now and ask, what am I turning away from that's right in my life? God bless. Amen. Fifty years ago, while Bible and prayer still had an important place in the public school system in the United States, teachers reported the following as the major school problems. Talking in class, chewing gum, making noise, running in the hallways, getting out of line, Working, wearing improper clothing. Today, they report a very different set of problems. Drug abuse, suicide, alcohol abuse, pregnancy, rape, murder, and assault. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, God says, and I will forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. The future of our culture is in the hands of faithful followers of Christ. Listen, because the, the cause of our cultural problems are innately spiritual. And if a problem is spiritual, its cure must be spiritual as well. And that's why we have seen in this passage of scripture a prescription, if you will, an antidote to the problem. Let's face it. You know, we, we have slid as a culture in this country. We went from leave it to beaver to temptation island to the housewives of whatever. We have gone from wholesomeness in this country to vileness and evil that would cause our grandparents to, to just faint if they ever were alive today to see what's going on. But the problem is we as a church, we as a people, we as Christians have become desensitized to the evil and we have been worn down little by little by little to the point of where we don't even blush anymore. We don't even blink and the Word of God already talked about that. The Word of God already told us, even in the prophets, it says that my people don't even blush over sin anymore. God help us. But we have a prescription. God says, if we, then I will. If we, 
then I will. If we humble ourselves, if we pray and seek and turn from our evil, then God will. I want you to understand something. God is more willing to forgive and heal than we could even imagine. That is his heart. God's desire, God's willingness is to forgive and to heal. Ephesians 2.4, God God's word says, God is rich in mercy. Romans 10.12, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Psalm 145, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. Understand, it is a promise from God. 2 Chronicles 7.14 is not just a good idea, but it's God's promise. We know God is faithful. He's trustworthy to his word. If he said it, he will do it. It was said of Abraham that he judged him faithful who promised. He believed God. In this word, uh, in 2 Chronicles, in the original language, when, when it says, uh, if my people, then I will, that word I, that one letter word is emphatic. God is saying, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. In Jeremiah 33, there's a wonderful promise. It says in the same context of the people of God being in a foreign land, being judged for their disobedience, God says, behold, I will bring it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. Again, speaking to his people. God wants to heal our land. And what a wonderful promise. God wants to heal our heart. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus said, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. This morning, your heart might be broken. You might have gone through trauma. You might have gone through hurt. You might be suffering emotionally, physically, spiritually. And you know what? There's no prescription. There's no person. There's no five steps that could get you to this point. It's the healing virtue of Jesus Christ. No one could heal, only Jesus. As we bring this to a close, I want to encourage you. Real faith in God can arise in your heart right now. There's a certainty that comes that if we call on him, we know he's going to answer. There's a boldness that should rise up within you, a confidence that we can find him for ourselves when we seek him. When we seek him for wayward children, for victory over addictions, for power in our church services, for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be in operation. If we believe and keep on believing, you know what? God is going to honor his word. God will come. He will forgive sin. He will heal our land because that's his promise. That's his heart. That's his nature. Pastor and I, this, uh, Pastor Mike and I this, this past week, um, I want to just ask the worship team to come up now. Amen. They came up a little early. Now they're a little late, but that's okay. <laughs> this past week, Pastor Mike and I, we took a walk down to the makeshift memorial that's right on the corner here of Branch and uh, Vesey Street. This past Wednesday, a young man 
was shot to death coming out of the, that store right on the corner. If you drive by when you leave, you just go down VZ, take a left, and you will see uh, hundreds of candles there at this makeshift memorial and vigil. And um, this man was shot and killed. And so Pastor Mike and I, we went over there this week and we said, you know what, we're going to just be Jesus. We're just going to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. I didn't have a, a, a script. I didn't know what I was going to say. We didn't know what we were going to do. We're just going to be there for people. And so we began to share and we began to just, you know, let them listen, hear the stories, hear. And we met some people who were related, connected to the person who died. And what struck us was just the brokenness, the pain, and the suffering of humanity. Sometimes we're in the church so much or we're around Christians so much that, that we forget that people are dying, people are perishing, people are hurting, people are lost, people are hopeless without Christ. So we took time, we just prayed with them. We just offered our, our prayers, our concern, any way we could help. And I got in the car a little while later, and that song came on, I don't want to leave a legacy. I don't care if they remember me. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. And see, today, that needs to be our heart. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. Can we leave the, the, this beautiful sense of His presence, the hope that comes? This morning... You might need forgiveness. Maybe you've made some poor choices in your life. You know, the Bible says that some men's sins follow them immediately. In other words, you can see the fruit of some people's sins. But the scriptures also say some sins follow way after. In other words, they're hidden for a while. And we're quicker to repent when other people know about our sin. We're almost forced to. Our arm is twisted, so to speak. But if we can just humble ourselves today, and if you need forgiveness, God is a God of mercy. He loves you. Your sin won't keep you out of heaven if you, only if you don't repent. But if you repent, God, His love and His grace will come to you. Maybe you need your heart to be healed this morning. God is a healer. This morning, I want us to stand together and I want us to sing that song we sang earlier. This is a move. Brothers and sisters, just playing church, just coming to church, doing our, our thing, is not going to make it. We need a move. I said we need a move. We need God to come on the scene in His glory and His grace and His power. We can't do it in our own strength. We need God's power. We need God to move. I believe there's revival. I believe there's the move of the Spirit. I believe there, is, there are anointings that destroy yokes. I believe that there is mighty salvations that come, mighty deliverances that come. I believe God is a great and awesome God, and He can come on the scene, and He can show up, and He can show off His glory and do what no other power can do. But we need a move. We need God to show up. It's not what man could do. Amen? It's not the oratorical ability, the ability to articulate and preach or teach or sing or whatever. All those things are good, but ultimately we need the moving and the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Would you let that be your prayer as we close today? Would you move out of your seats and declare that to God, we are going to pray, we're going to seek you until you move. God, we want to see a move of the Holy Spirit. We need a move. You know what's going to happen? Things are going to maybe die down in a few months and everybody's going to go back to normal. Everybody's going to go back to Nazareth. We're going to forget the, the, the perilous times we're in. But let not that not be the case in our lives. Let, that, let us stay passionate. Let us stay prayerful. Let us stay with a heart after God. Amen. Let's sing this morning. Let's bring our needs to God. Let's ask God to forgive us. Let's, let's ask God to heal us, heal our hearts, heal our church, heal our communities. Let's leave a legacy of Jesus. Only Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's sing it a few times. You'll be at liberty to go. In Jesus' name. Amen.